Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. Love to get into worship with you. Hey, if you're new here, I just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Joe Polino, and I serve as the lead pastor here, and it's a joy to get to do that. Love being a part of this church. You guys excited to be here this morning? Man, wasn't that new song amazing? Oh, man. I like, uh, by the way, if you go uh, on Spotify, if you're a Spotify subscriber, uh, Antioch uh, Worship, our worship team has a fall playlist. So you can go on there and find that. So just want to put a plug in for that Antioch Worship Fall 2023. Um, well, hey, Good morning. Like I said, my name is Joe Polino, and I'm excited to get into God's Word this morning with you. Uh, we have been through a bu the book of Ephesians through most of the year. And as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, for those of you who've been tracking with us, what has been the prayer that we've been praying as we've been reading through this amazing letter called Ephesians? The prayer is, Jesus, make us one. So Ephesians is this letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he helped plant this church in Ephesus. And he has not been to this church in several years. And Paul is actually writing this letter from prison because of his faith. And instead of writing, hey, SOS, come and get me out of this place, he writes one of the most powerful and influential letters in human history. It summarizes the good news of Jesus in a spectacular way. Uh, like no letter or email ever has. Uh, and so we've been going through this book of Ephesians, but as we've been going through it, a central theme is that in Christ, he's taking the Jew and the non-Jew, all the people of the world, and he's bringing them together as one new humanity in Christ. So that's why we've been praying, God, would you make us one with you and make us one with one another? And so we've been going through that through most of the year. And last week, we introduced this love one another practice because we came upon this verse in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. I'm going to read it for you. It says this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So that sentence or sentences, those two verses are a summary of where we, at, where we are at in the book. We talked about the love of God for us, and now he's saying, just as Christ has loved us, who wants you to walk in love with one another? But how do we actually do that? How do we practically do that? How do we put that into practice? Well, we want to spend five weeks from here on out looking at how do we love one another like Jesus. Now, you might be wondering... I know just from talking with many of you in this room that there, this is a busy time of your life. And maybe you're coming in this morning and it's like, man, I'm just, I don't know how I even showed up this morning, but I'm here and I'm hungry for some spiritual food. How is me loving someone else going to feed me this morning? Or maybe you uh, are going through uh, a, uh, I know several of us in here have chronic sickness or recovering from uh, an ailment, or there's relational conflicts, conflicts, financial instability. There's so many things going on. And I find myself sometimes when I come into church, even as a pastor being like, Lord, would you fill me up today? So how is loving one another 
going to be something that's actually going to fill us up and make us one as a church. Well, I would say this. The point is, is that every one of us is going through something or coming out of something or going into some sort of challenge. But if we don't learn to love one another as Christ loves us, then we've missed everything. We missed the whole point. If we miss the love of God for ourselves, if we miss the love of God for others, then what scripture says is that we miss the whole point of life, period. So I'm saying we need to go on this journey because this is what's going to fill us up. This is the point of our existence. This is walking with God and loving people. 1 Corinthians 13 puts it much better than I could. It says this, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So church, I'm saying this is going to be a huge practice for us because God is going to meet us here because this is what God wants to give us. He wants to give us his love so that we can love one another as he has loved us. Amen? Okay. So I'm really excited about this and here's how we're going to do it. So beginning this week, we're going to go over a different aspect that we've read in Ephesians on how we love one another like Christ. So in the first week today, we're going to talk about being in relationship with Jesus. And then the next week, we're going to talk about being completely humble and gentle. And then the next week, being honest and honoring as a church with one another. And then we're going to talk about being eager to maintain unity of the Spirit. And then lastly, building up one another in love. And so on Sundays and in life groups and in our personal lives, every single week, we're just going to go into each of these different values that we see in Jesus. And we're going to ask him, would you help me to put this into practice? So today we're going to get started with loving one another by being in relationship with Jesus. Now you might be like, hey, I thought you were talking about loving one another, but you're talking about loving God. So I'm a little confused. Well, if we want to grow in a relationship with others, we must grow in relationship with Christ. And if we want to love people like Jesus, we have to first be connected to Christ ourselves. So we just wanted to overemphasize this point by putting it first, that every, every, uh, every, that the source of love is what we need to connect to today. It, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about being in relationship with Jesus and here's where we're going to go with, with my talk, if you're taking notes. It says, being in relationship with Jesus gives us the life of God, gives us the joy of God, and gives us the love of God to give away to others. And we're going to see that by going to John 15. So we're not going to be in Ephesians today, but Ephesians has this language, and John 15 gives this imagery of us being connected to Jesus as Ephesians talks about we are one body, but Christ is the head. Just as a body is not alive apart from the head, we are not alive apart from Christ who is divine. So uh, if you want to turn with me to John 15, 
That's where we're going to be for the remainder of our time. You can also uh, get a Bible in the seat back in front of you, or it'll also be on your screen. So, you guys ready to jump in? Okay. Here we go. So John 15, verse 5. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He is about to be arrested, and then he's about to be crucified. So he is downloading to them some important information that they need to know. And so this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Beginning in verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that this isn't just a description of you in a book. God, these words are life. God, I pray that you would come and make them uh, imprinted on our hearts, on our minds, and our souls today. Would you come and transform us in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. Okay. So here's what we're going to talk about. Being in relationship with Jesus gives us, the first point is the life of God. So let's read again verses five through eight. It says, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what's going on here? So Jesus is using a metaphor to teach his disciples something. What is he trying to teach them? He's trying to teach his disciples the importance of being dependent upon him. It's so important for his disciples to be dependent upon him. It's the same matter of life and death as a branch being connected to a vine or not. In this metaphor, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And if a branch is connected to a healthy vine, it bears fruit. If a branch is not connected to the vine, it's not going to bear fruit, right? It's not going to be alive. In fact, it's going to wither. And so Jesus is the life source. When he says that when we are in relationship with Jesus, he is the source of life. He is the vine. So it's not complicated to understand, but to actually walk in this takes some further thought and some further further focus for us to say, okay, how can we actually do this? And then there's also some, some parts of this passage that can kind of uh, 
caused some questions of like, I like the part about uh, bearing fruit, but this other part about withering and dying and being thrown and cast off, like, you know, that's not exactly like coffee with Jesus time. I'm like, what is that about? Like, I, I don't know if that doesn't give me the warm fuzzies. Well, hey, well, I do want to address that because this is something that we're going to talk about this week. It says that Jesus is the vine, but apart from him, you can do nothing. So much so that it says in verse six, don't be like a branch that is alone. That is be thrown away. Don't be like that. You are called to be in me. I've called you to be connected with me, to trust me. Don't be like a branch that is separated from me. And so he's not saying here that if you don't do what I'm saying, that you're going to lose your salvation. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. What he's saying is you're made to be connected with me. I am the life source. I am the vine. Don't be like a branch that is cast away. But then it also says you can do nothing apart from Christ. Like, Really? Can I really do nothing? Or let's just look at the world around us. People who are non-Christians are not in the vine. They're not in Jesus. But it seems like there's some stuff that they're doing. There's some service, good deeds, uh, even some things that we can partner, partner with in serving people in the city. That seems like something. And even I can talk about my own life. Before I came to Christ, there was things that I achieved and things that... So what is he talking about? Nothing. Well, what he's talking about here is that the fruit that he is going to bear through you is something that is not natural. It is supernatural fruit. That when you abide in Christ, that this fruit is meant to last. It's meant to remain. So in John 15, 16, Jesus says that you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. So uh, how do I describe this type of fruit? I used this illustration before and uh, I'll use it again. Hopefully it'll resonate. But as a family, we have four young kids and we go through a lot of food and we like to eat a lot of fruit. And so with inflation prices up, we're like, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't get the oranges. Let's go to the bananas, okay? Uh, so they're not exactly the best for you, but uh, they're cheaper. And so we go through a lot of bananas in our home. Now imagine if you have a banana and the bananas have a very small window where I like to enjoy them. It's like when they turn a like right from green to yellow, boom, that's the time for me. When they start getting spotted, I'm like, nah, I'll pass those off. That can be, uh, that can be our, our one-year-old's uh, banana. Hey, he loves them. So hey, it's not, I'm thinking of him. Um, but imagine with me if there was a perfectly ripe banana, however you like your banana, and it did not ever spoil. In other words, there wasn't spots that came about. It didn't turn brown. It didn't decay, but it just kept lasting and lasting and lasting. For one thing, I wouldn't eat that banana. I'd kind of put it up and just see how long it would go. But I think you guys would agree that that's not natural. Like that is supernatural. There's something about that that is uh, abnormal. And when we talk about when you abide in Christ and you bear fruit in him, it's not just talking about doing stuff and achieving things. It's talking about bearing eternal fruit that's going to last forever, eternal impact. If you want to, you know, that, that song that we sang, like when I see his face, I'm just going to say, I didn't give enough away because the things that are going to last are what's important. And those are things that are birthed through the life of God coming through us. 
And as it's coming through us, it's going to last and last. And so that is the type of fruit that he's talking about. But it's not, you know, just to put it into not a fruit example, but a real life example, I want to tell a story of my friend Adam. I've told this story before, but I don't know if I've shown a picture of my friend Adam. So in college, uh, I was at Baylor and uh, I had to go deep into the Facebook archives to find this photo of Adam. So deep, in fact, I'm pretty sure uh, this is uh, one of those disposable camera shots. Um, Yeah, dates me a little bit. But when I was in college, um, I was just at a point in my life, as I've described before, where I was really questioning and hungry for truth. And I said, God, if you're real, show me because I feel empty and I have, I have essentially achieved many things that I've set out to do at this point in my life, but I'm empty, I'm broken, and I'm questioning what is the purpose of my life. So I asked God, if you're real, show me. And soon after that, in my fraternity, was a guy named Adam, and he had just come to Christ. And so Adam, uh, in this fraternity, uh, started a, organized a Bible study. Said, hey, anyone who wants to come can show up. And everyone was like, Adam's having a Bible study? Like, wasn't he throwing a party, like, before summer? And now, after summer, he's inviting me to a Bible study. So I was like one of three of 80 guys to show up, and we started to develop a friendship. And so uh, Adam uh, and I would uh, hang out some and uh, he get to know him a little bit and hear about his journey with Jesus. And I was just really intrigued and I would go to this Bible study. But then one day, Adam said, hey, uh, I want to invite you to come with me on a spring break mission trip with my church. And at this point, I was just dipping my toe into uh, things of God and Jesus. And I was like, that sounds like next level stuff. And I also have this ski trip I'm really looking forward to with my buddies in Colorado. So I said, hey, thanks for the invite, but no thanks. And so another week passes and uh, the ski trip plans actually begin to unravel. And so he just said, hey, uh, how's it going? I just want to check how are those ski plans going and I said, well, actually, I'm not sure it's going to make, but I'm still optimistic. So, uh, yeah, well, he was like, well, hey, the invitation still stands. Come to the Spring Bank mission trip. I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, I'll keep that in mind is what I said. So another week passes. The ski trip falls through. I have no Spring Break plans, but I do not want to go on this mission trip. And guess who asked me the third week, hey, what plans do you have? Uh, for spring break. And I said, look, I got to be honest. I have no plans, but this spring break trip is way too expensive. I can't afford it. And so I thought that would be the nail in the coffin. And he wasn't being pushy about it. He was just being persistent. I was like, hey, you know, this is, this is a lot, but I appreciate the effort, but I, this, I can't afford it. And he said, well, if I pay for you to go, would you come with me? And at that point, I, something hit my heart at that point. It wasn't just what do I want to do. I, I, there was like a, a love that I had not experienced from my friend to pay for my trip to go on this spring break trip. And, and I didn't go on this. And I ended up saying yes, because out of friendship for Adam, not because I necessarily wanted to go. I was like, man, if you really want me to go that bad, I'll go. And on this mission trip, 
uh, ended up becoming good friends with Adam. I think there's another picture of us just being goofy. It's a little bit better picture. Uh, baggy pants were in back then. That was me. We were grilling hot dogs. But uh, we went on this mission trip, and the mission trip was just amazing. We got to spend time with God, spend time uh, just serving people, sharing the gospel, praying for the sick. And the whole time I was like a deer in the headlights, but I was like, wow, God, I asked if you're real and you came through. Now, why do I share that story with you in talking about abiding with Christ in relation to loving one another? Well, I asked Adam later, I said, hey, why were you so persistent with me with the mission trip deal? And he said, oh, well, that's easy. Uh, When I was praying for my fraternity, I felt like God said to believe for one guy to come on the spring break trip with me. And I knew that early on, you were my only chance. And so (laughs) I would not take no for an answer. And I kept praying. And uh, basically, God wore you down. Or I wore you down, either one. And um, I was just so encouraged by that story because I've shared that story about Adam probably close to a hundred times. You probably heard it, but there's something in that. That's like an origin story of me encountering God and him encountering me that will last forever. Like I will share that story till the day I die. I hope my kids will pass on sharing that story of one guy praying for his fraternity, having faith for one person and not giving up and pursuing me because it literally changed my life and it changed eternity because Adam was remaining in God and abiding and was in relationship with him. Adam, man, I knew Adam, he had a lot of different things going on, his own studies, his own issues, his own decisions with life. But as he abided with God, as he was in relationship, he said, how can I pray for those around me? And as he did that, God's love through him changed my life. So I just wanna encourage us, man, As we are in relationship with God, his life is going to flow through us in ways that we will not know how big of an impact it could have. In fact, it probably will be like an eternal banana and it will never go out. It will always, 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 always last, just like Adam's story with me. So that's number one. We want to be in relationship with God because it's the life of God through us for people. But it's not just the life of God that causes us to bear fruit. It's also the joy of God, the joy of God. So it says in verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Man, so wow. What is this saying? Where it says, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus talking, as the Father has loved Jesus, so I have loved you. That's an incredible statement if we understand how has the Father loved Jesus. So we have a few scriptures up on the screen. How has the Father loved Jesus? Well, here's just a few highlights of how the Father has loved Jesus. It says in John 5, verse 20, the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is himself doing. And so within that, if if we have the love of God for us in the same way the Father loves Jesus, he's wanting to not just love us and then like a child who's 
hey, the project is too dangerous, dad's working on, Noble, can you stay over here? Or two-year-old, can you stay over here? He's actually saying, hey, son, I want to show you what I'm doing. I want you to be involved with what I'm doing. That's an incredible invitation for God to show you what he's doing in the world. There's a mission, there's a calling, there's good works that he's called us to do. That's one of the ways that the father loves Jesus and he's loving us. So the next it says, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. So that's, a, that's an Old Testament passage that's applied to Jesus of how the father sees Jesus. He sees him as a servant he's chosen in whom I delight in. Did you know that God delights in you? He likes you. He enjoys you. You know, and then and it, the, I've heard it said like good parents have a way of making all their kids feel like they're favorites, but they all, you know, but the truth is that uh, really they're, they're all his favorites. And in the same way, God delights in all of us in a way that he loves the way that he made you. He loves who you are and he delights in you. Just as he delights in Jesus, he delights in you. And then lastly, when Jesus was baptized, uh, there was a voice that came out over his son that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was transformed, and the voice of the Father came through again, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And talking to Peter, James, and John, listen to him. And this is God's disposition towards you today, church. This is my beloved son or daughter with whom I'm well pleased. So if we get that, that the same love that the Father has for Jesus is in us, man, that'll melt us. That'll tenderize our hearts if we can really soak that in. Do you guys following with me? Man, so now remain in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. So what he's saying here is you keep, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as what Jesus did was obey his commands. But again, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about if you don't, rem- if you don't do what God says, are you then removed from his love? And what I want to just emphasize here is Jesus's teachings have stress the point over and over again that when we come to faith in him, that we're justified in him, but we go through a process of being sanctified. What that means is, is that what it says in John 10, 28, 29, it says that Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So there's a security that we can operate in of learning to walk with Jesus. But this, hey, remain in my love is similar to, again, a parent-child illustration of you're wanting your child to remain by you and abide by your commands for their own protection, their own good. And ultimately it says for their own joy, right? This is, this is why we want to remain in God's love. It's not because he is conditionally loving us. His love is not conditional. It says in 1 John 4, 19, that we love because he first loved us. So before you did anything, God was loving you. He was pouring out his love on you. And it's not going to stop. 
But we actually have a choice for, to obey his commands and to remain with him and by him, or as we drift or as we disobey his commands, we actually uh, are, are distancing ourselves from love and joy and peace and all the things that he provides for us. So when we experience the love of God, it says that as we abide in him, we walk by the spirit, there's fruit of the spirit that comes. The fruit of the spirit is love and the next is joy. He says that I want you to do this so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. And I don't know about you, but when I see joy and I see, I want you to have joy, I'm like raising my hand because like, I would like some more joy, please. I would like to be filled with your joy. And it just, again, what Donnie was talking about earlier, as we're thankful, as we look up and we see who Jesus is, as we lift up our eyes, the joy of the Lord, the joy that it surpasses understanding, the, the walking like with, with God that in Psalm 1611, it says that in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in John 17, three, it said, Jesus is saying, this is eternal life. It's knowing me and the father whom he said, like this is the point of eternal life. This is where joy is from. I want this joy to be full in you. And so it's like a good father saying, hey, listen to me, trust me. This is a place where you're gonna find joy. But when I've found, when I've read the scripture in the past, maybe you go through something that I go through of I read about abide or I read about remain in my love or obey my commands. And I kind of do one of those, yeah, I should do better. I should do better. I, 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 I need to get back to fill in the blank. And, you know, uh, talking with people uh, and getting to, you know, know, know them. We have, uh, for example, some contractors working on a house lately or renovating our house. And uh, so they, getting to know them and talking about their life, they ask me, well, hey, what do you do? And whenever I say, well, I work for a church and I'm a pastor, uh, it's pretty common that they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they're like, I, I, I should go to church. And I'm like, uh, cool, awesome, you know? Like, tell me more about that. But there's this like internal, like if you have any um, kind of relationship with God, there's like this, oh, I should be doing more. And I just want us to kind of shift our paradigm. I want the Holy Spirit to shift our paradigm a little bit. Uh, it's not a have to, but it's a get to. And I just, growing up in a Christian environment in Dallas, I viewed my faith very much intellectually, almost like if you were working on a jigsaw puzzle and you have the, top, the box top, it was like my Christian worldview was like box top for my life. And I was trying to put the puzzle pieces together of how to live my life. Not a bad illustration. It kind of helped me to get the borders of my life. Okay, here's a corner piece. You know, God's good. Jesus died for me. But it was very mental and it was not any kind of relationship with God. And so as a result, I tried to be a good Christian by arguing with people, convincing them that this is truth and this is the way. Again, not bad if you're made that way, if you're wired that way, God's made you to, to, um, to glorify him in that way. But for me, I was just grumpy because I didn't, I was, I was feeling frustrated because I didn't have this personal relationship with God that I was so desiring. But through my, my invitation from Adam and through that 
trip and then getting involved with that church, God began to show me that it's not only about the information of having doctrine or having the box top for life, that he is actually the source of life. It's, that, it's, it's, it's in his face. It's in, in relationship with him. And this was a slow growth. I mean, I've been walking with Jesus since 2005. And it's just been year after year of learning a little bit more of his goodness is present for me right now. And the Holy Spirit is with me. And as I'm reading the word and as I'm worshiping him and as I'm praying that God is actually speaking to me and he wants to meet with me. So much so that when I moved back to Dallas and I moved in with my parents, uh, I worked in business and then went to grad school, moved in with my parents, was a good millennial in that way. And as I did that, there was no space for me. Uh, I shared a room with my younger brother and all these habits that I had formed of being alone with God. I was just like, how am I going to do this? I'm not going to go on the playground in the backyard when it's like 30 degrees outside. Like, what am I going to do? So I was like, well, there's a way. And so I went to Bed Bath & Beyond and bought hospital curtains to go around my desk. And I would literally in, in, you know, in the morning or whenever, I would shut off my brother and I would just have time with God. And it was like the sweetest place in the whole house. It was just amazing as, he, as I met with him. And like, it wasn't a have to. It wasn't because I felt like God told me to go do this. It was because I get to. I get to meet with him. He is my source of joy. And it's still that way today. And so I just want to whet your appetite for the joy that he has for us. Man. So then lastly, okay, so let's put this all together. So in relationship with Jesus, he gives us the life of God. He gives us the joy of God. And then he gives us the love of God. And when it talks about stay with me, remain in me and obey my commands. You're like, okay, like what are his commands? And I think of like ones that, okay, these are going to be really costly. Well, this is the one that he says in verse 12 and 13. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. His commands are not burdensome. His kindness leads us to repentance. It's, it's his goodness that says, would you love one another like I have loved you? This is my command. Would you love one another? And as I read this scripture, on the one level, I'm like, okay, I can do that. But then I read about in verse 13 where it says, greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for his friends. And I think about Jesus's ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And I'm like, Lord, I can love the person in front of me, but that's a really high bar. Like, what does that look like to lay down my life for somebody? And what I want to put before us today, church, as we're going into this five-week experiment of loving one another, is that I tend to think of greater love as no one than this, is thinking about the cross, and therefore I need to do this extravagant, costly, sacrificial love for my neighbor or for one another. And I think that's not how I've experienced it. And what I want to put before us is that sometimes the greatest display of love is just in small acts of obedience. It's just in small, simple acts like Adam of asking me, would you come to the mission trip? And then praying for me and then asking again. And just these small acts of obedience. And as we do that, 
God takes our small acts and he increases it and makes it grow. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, some water, some plant, but God gives the increase. And as we're doing that, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, that, that image of, man, I feel like I need to have some big expression of love that's like a sledgehammer tearing down like ice or some sort of block to get through to somebody. But oftentimes what I feel like I have is my son's little toy hammer. Well, he would say hammer. My, my son's toy hammer. Hammer. Now he goes around banging this thing. I'm like, this thing's actually going to break something the way that he hammers something, but it's just a little plastic thing. And sometimes I would just think, man, if I send this text or if I do this thing, it's so insignificant. But I just feel like in small acts of obedience, God takes these little, these little chips and he can break a dam in someone's heart or someone's life and just wedge. You just have no idea what he can do. And so really putting before us as a church is just for us to get our, our hammers out and just saying, God, would you help me to chip away at, at, at someone who doesn't experience the love of God to love them in a simple way this week? So that's what we're going to do. And just to give a few examples, uh, just, give, just give two one, I just want to honor uh, Noah Thatcher. So Noah, who's our worship director, uh, I got a voice text. Yeah, we can clap for Noah. Let's clap. Yeah, all in. So I got a voice text from Noah. I think it was last week. And, um, and I, I got a voice text from him. It was about a minute and a half long. And my first reaction was, uh-oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? I got a voice text from him. And so I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this when I have some time. And so I listened to it. I'm like, okay. What's the deal? And in a very no way, it was like, hey, man, I was just thinking about you and I had him on calendar to pray for you. And so I just wanted to do that. And so he just gives a minute prayer of just praying that God would, you know, strengthen me and love me and see me. I'm talking about you, man. There you are. And, um, and as he did that, and as I listened to this, man, just that little, that little hammer, that little chip, guess what happened? Something broke in me. And I just started to, to, to tear up and cry because the love of God was breaking into my heart because I needed that that day. That was the highlight of my day, one of the highlights of my week, so much so that I shared it with y'all. And so it doesn't have to be something big or extravagant. Another person I want to honor is Mary Beth DeBrot. There you are. Mary Beth, she prays for our church regularly. I know because she says, hey, I've been praying for the church. And then she sends like what she sends God saying. And it's normally on the same day of the week. So it's not like a spontaneous thing, like necessarily it's planned. But every time she does it, she's praying for you. She's praying for our church. She's giving us, you know, hey, here's what I sense the Lord saying to you and sending it to Donnie. And it's so encouraging to me. And those are just two examples of people that I just see, man, scoring touchdowns of loving one another. I just want to honor and celebrate them and that we would celebrate one another in our church. Amen? Amen. So I want to draw your attention just to this handout that you received as you walked in. So each week, we're going to have a different handout called Love One Another. And on the front is just, going to, is just instructions on where we're going. And on the back is this simple way to encounter God in your own life. And that is worship, word, and prayer. And it just gives you simple ways to worship God, to experience the joy of God by getting our eyes up on Him, just by giving Him thanks, listening to a worship song, and then to read His Word 
and for his words to remain in us and abide in us. And then we want to start with prayer. We just want to pray for the people. We want to pray for ourselves. God, would you help my heart to be tender, to receive your love today? Is there anything you want to tell me? God, would you, and then you pray for your church family or pray for someone or pray uh, for our church. Say, God, would you bless this person today to experience your love that surpasses knowledge? Is there any way, small way, I could love them or serve them? And then lastly, just to pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus and pray that same way. And so this is the practice that we're going to be doing consistently for the next five weeks. And I'm super excited to see what God does. So I'm going to invite the band up and actually invite everyone to, to stand as we respond to the Lord. So I'm just believing that through this passage, John 15, that we would be enticed, encouraged to trust God and take a step in some way for the life of God, for the joy of God, and for the love of God to come through us as a church. And uh, we were praying beforehand, um, before the service, I just wanted to share uh, three um, prophetic words that we got for people. And if this is you, we would love to pray for you, love to uh, partner with you in prayer and believe God sees you. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, as I say every Sunday, why not? Why not come up and receive prayer? Why not encounter God through the church? This is why we're here. It's not to see a production or see a service, it's to encounter the living God. And we do that as we are one with one another. So we're gonna have our prayer and prophetic team up here. But here are just some words that were shared and uh, see if any of these resonate with any of you. Uh, one, uh, Sean was praying and I just got this picture of a woman coming in and the woman had uh, on her shoes like concrete blocks. I just felt like there was a heaviness to the way that she was walking and she was coming in, just labored in her walking. And if that resonates with you of just saying, man, it's so hard to put one foot in front of the other, we would love to pray with you that those concrete shoes would come off. Another picture, uh, this was Noah. He said, uh, I feel like I got a picture of uh, an iceberg. And there was a huge part of this iceberg that the ice began to fall into the, the water. And as it did, there was this big crash. But then afterwards, it was just complete peace. Just believing there's, there's, there's a breakthrough of, uh, of hardness of heart or there's a breakthrough of your relationship with God that is breaking off and that He has peace for you on the other side. And the last one is just um, people coming in here because they're seeking God. They were like me, God, if you're real, show me. And just seeing as you're seeking God, just getting a picture of like you looking through a telescope and to your surprise, you actually see God has been seeking you the whole time and he's been waiting on you. And so just those are the words that have been uh, presented this morning. And so we're gonna worship. All of us are gonna respond with singing, but encourage you if you need prayer to come to the front. So I'm gonna pray. Just encourage you to agree with me and respond. Jesus, I thank you, God, that you came God, so that we wouldn't be alone. God, we're made to be attached to you. We're made to be in the vine. So God, would you help all of us to remain in your love today and to want to be, not a have to, a want to. And would you stir up, God, our affections for you, the joy for you, the love for you. And would you break off, God, any spiritual attack, God, any demonic activity, God, any 
burden or wound that you want to heal, would you come and have your way? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.